Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. This is Q&A podcast number 34. And if you're watching the video version of this, you're wondering what the heck this thing is on my head. And this is administering pulsed electromagnetic frequencies directly to my, well, not directly, but uh, dermally to my prefrontal cortex. It's a PMF frequency called Energy Awake. So I'm going to do this for just a few minutes in the beginning of this podcast. I hope that the noise is not too annoying. And hopefully this has kind of a cool enhancement effect. As if I'm not enhanced enough already, we're going we're gonna to try to take it to the next level. Can you hear that, babe? Yeah, but what is it? It's the Energy Awake PMF on my head. Oh my. We're going to see what effect it has on my brain. Hopefully I remain, you know, capable of doing like normal adult things. (laughs) Hopefully you don't have to wipe my butt as a result of this. Let's, let's go Brandon. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be capable of uh, wiping my own butt for years and years to come. That's. That's what, that's what the objective is here, right? That's the bottom line with all this biohacking business that I'm into. So before we dive into these questions, a few people call this housekeeping. And that always just sounded so, so boring to me. When I think of housekeeping, I think of, uh, remember the Bernstein Bears? Where there's yeah. the family of bears that live together, and yeah. the the mom of the bears is is always concerned with the housekeeping. I I don't know why we use the word housekeeping when we're talking about podcast stuff, but I hear a lot of podcasts do this. So I guess I'm just I guess I'm just adopting the lingo. So uh, first of all, what I have to share here the uh, in the the help that you may get from this is not medical advice. I'm not a Doctor, I'm just a guy with a thing attached to my forehead. <laughs> I'm just an experienced, unlicensed self-experimenter that is practicing free speech in talking about my own extensive uh, experiences and my interpretations of published science. You are Dr. Rose Lano. My my wife and I do role plays, and in the role plays, I am Doctor Rosalano, or, or or sometimes sometimes I'm a psychotherapist, and then I'm Doctor Rosalano Rosalano Bergenstein. You know, it, it, there's a little there's something going on there when I'm a when I'm a, a professional psycho psychotherapist. And I, I do feel like I could probably be a professional psychotherapist. Or a sex therapist. I, I feel like I could probably pull that off. It, it really doesn't. When, when I see the sex therapist talking on TV, they, they really don't seem all that much smarter than, 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 than our dog, frankly. And she's not very smart, unfortunately. Albeit she's extremely beautiful and cute and adorable. Right. Okay, the really funny thing, babe, about this is, is that I can hear it saying numbers and words. It's, I can hear this little voice saying numbers and words. Like what? Like 7, 8, 24, 44, 33. <laughs> like a, a really little voice. It's like there's a little, a little tiny voice 
in my head doing doing counting while the PEMF is is doing its thing. However, we need to reload this so that we can get it going. Okay, so the other so please do see my guide on how to biohack smart and safe. And that guide is linked over on the webpage for Q&A number 34. So you are going to want to check that out if you're kind of new to this sort of thing, but you're looking for like best practices. What, babe? Do I have a spot on my head? Yes. Really? Yes. There's a spot on my head? Yes. Oh, I mean, it, do it doesn't mar my beautiful forehead, does it? It's exactly where the icy hammer was. Really? Yeah. I can't even see that in my webcam recording of myself. This is why I need a higher resolution webcam to fully capture everything that, that, that I'm doing to my body with all this <laughs> experimentation. Although I want to see if it's going to have an effect on my delivery here. So we're going to run the PMF one more time. I do apologize for uh, any of the noise that's involved with it. What I do suggest if you are one of the fine folks that has submitted one of these questions, I'm gonna try to do my best job here at answering your inquiry. But if you wanna go a little bit deeper and maybe if you kind of need some support on like your life hacking, biohacking goals, I'm going to suggest that you fill out the form that I have for the lean life coaching that I do. And this is, I dare say, one of the best forms that you'll ever have the pleasure of filling out in your life on the internet. This is a form, it's going to take you about 15-20 minutes to go through it. And it's going to, it's, it's going to kind of give you the means to look a little bit deeper at yourself and at what might be holding you back from what you want in life, give you a little bit more of kind of a holistic view on yourself. So you go and fill out that form. And then if I can help you, and I can't always help everybody, but if I can help you, then we can talk about that. If not, then you just get the form sent back to you. So you get a copy of it, which is, which can be useful. It can be like one of those things where you can see how over time you have changed. Yeah, babe, when it starts out at a low frequency, I can hear a little voice talking. Can you hear that little voice? Yes. Yeah, okay, listen to that, dear listener. See, as there's this PMF, uh, electromagnetic frequency, that gets released into my brain, I suppose, there's a little voice that, that says numbers, letters, along with it. So, it's a male voice. Yeah, yeah. Who's that guy inside of your IC number? I don't know. Who is that? <laughs> is that, is that Anton, the, 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 the Ukrainian-Canadian? Has he snuck into? Has he snuck into... Maybe he does appear rather small on my screen. Perhaps he can fit into this device. <laughs> you never know. Okay. You're gonna get another red spot on your forehead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it produces kind of a cool sensation. 
Okay, so the next thing that I'll mention is that if you spend over $100, if you invest over $100 in your supplementation, in your health, via the recommended vendors for the Limitless Mindset Secret Society, then you become eligible for a 30-minute biohacking consultation with me. So I have got a number of vendors, actually, that are people that I have really done some research on. I've tried their products. I have done kind of a an audit of what people think of them on the internet, and they are credible, in a word. They're what you want to spend your money with to empower your health, to uh, get yourself forward in life. And I've got those over on the Limitless Mindset Secret Society page. So I do encourage you, if you're going to spend money on your health anyways, spend it with some of those vendors that have got some really cool things. And then you'll be eligible to become a part of our private biohacker community. So it's a little bit more of an, an exclusive thing where there's some higher level discussion going on in there above and beyond what you might find in those free groups out there on the internet. Okay, so that is the housekeeping. The housekeeping has been finished. I feel like Mrs. Bernstein Bear. Or was it Bernstein Bear? Who knows? There's a bit of a mystery behind that. Anyways, let's dive into the questions, babe. What's question number one? Okay, question number one comes from Olivia. Mm-hmm. She is a bit worried about what happens after we die. Okay, here's the question. Why are you interested in biohacking? I'm a transhumanist. I don't want to die. Other details about your biohacking goals or challenges? I want to stop overthinking about the future and what happens when we die. I want to be more present, more productive, have more motivation to work in projects, and be able to concentrate better so I can learn more things. I usually have so many ideas, but it's hard to sit and put into practice. I get easily distracted and frustrated to be sitting down in front of the computer. I also want to communicate better and become a confident public speaker. She's 30 years old. Okay, so... She's super young. Super young? I think of super young as being like 13. Like 13. (laughs) 13 seems super young to me. 30 well, seems 30 seems youngish to me. She's a young lady, a young enough lady. Okay. Okay, and also a transhumanist. Yeah. So, I've done two pieces of content recently on Memento Mori and then also actually on the subject of death. And so memento mori is a Latin phrase. Do you remember what it means, babe? Memento mori? Memento mori, yeah. Remember death? Remember remember death. Remember death. Remember death. Remember your death. Mm-hmm. Essentially. So I think that there's some uh, some personal val some personal value to be found in remembering death because it 
motivates you to get on with living. It motivates you to take advantage of the time that you have above ground. But there's certainly kind of some balance to be struck in between remembering that death is a thing and being um, obsessive about it, being um, getting worried about it, having fear of death deduce from the uh, vivid uh, experience from the richness of life itself. And so what I suggested in my article about the torrid meteor crossing, which occurs in November and then it occurs again in July, my recommendation was that if you're afraid of death, go and meditate in a cemetery and you'll you spend some time in a cemetery just sitting there you do the open eye open monitoring style of meditation so you're actually looking at the tombstones around you you're you're taking in simultaneously the cement reality of death along with the beauty of it and this is something that if you if you meditate on that a couple of times, I think that will maybe result in a, a healthier relationship towards death. And the interesting thing she mentioned was that she is a transhumanist. And sometimes I identify as a transhumanist myself. There's certain things about transhumanism that I think make some sense, like trying to have really great uh, science so that we can cure diseases, but the ideological side of transhumanism or what might people what people might even call religious transhumanism, like people that take transhumanism and turn it into a, uh, a religion, I don't think this is the healthiest kind of outlook to have. First of all, you're kind of putting you're really putting all of your eggs in one basket, so to speak. You are putting a ton of faith. You're making a huge bet on science achieving something uh, truly fantastic um, and uh, wild within your lifetime, which is overcoming uh, the challenges of death and giving you the option of uh, dying only voluntarily. And you'd want to do a bit more reading of books about science. If you're if you're a transhumanist, if that's kind of what your hope is, if that's where you're putting, if that's the basket you're putting all your eggs in, you want to look at how science has done in the past, oh, the past generation or two, the past uh, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, Science is doing an awful, awful job of actually overcoming diseases. And actually, people in general are in worse health, uh, particularly in the developed world, in uh, uh, North America, the quote-unquote West, quote-unquote first world countries. They're in worse health, the worst health that they've been in in a long, long time. Many argue that is because of science itself. So the idea of science delivering us 
what we need, the solutions, delivering us some products so that we can live forever, that seems pretty unrealistic. That seems increasingly like just a uh, just a, an ideological, even you could call it a religious kind of pipe dream that people have. And then there was a book that I finished just recently, which was Why Science is Wrong About Almost Everything by Alex Tazars. And in this book, he delves into, he documents the corpus of near-death experience science that has been done, which if you're afraid of death, I would urge you to go a little bit deeper looking at near-death experience science. And there's there's a significant amount of evidence. There's enough evidence that it can't be uh, hand-waved away. There's enough evidence that can't be ignored that near-death experiences are something other than a DMT dump into the brain as we... Uh, as our as our brains shut down, there's there's some significant evidence that the near death experiences are something beyond just just beyond being something like a dream, beyond something like a, like an ayahuasca or an LSD trip. There's evidence that there's something going on there that is outside of the materialist worldview. And once you countenance and look rationally, look at that evidence, then you can kind of take a look at uh, metaphysical worldviews. And you can decide on a metaphysical worldview that makes sense to you, that lines up with um, evidence, that lines up with your kind of preferences. And then that metaphysical point of view or spirituality is going to assuage a lot of that nervousness about dying. Like, for example, your wife believes in reincarnation. Yeah. Yes. You believe in reincarnation. I do, but uh, of course it may not be true. I just believe in it. Yeah. And believing in it assuages some anxiety. Right? Exactly. And I also know that um, we are not vampires and we'll die sooner or later, but rather later than sooner, like um, in the end of your life, you will probably be somewhat tired, like if you're like uh, 80, 85 years old, you might be somewhat nope. tired. I'm still going to be salsa dancing and you'll be there with me on the beach. We'll salsa dance amongst the baby turtles as they crawl out to the ocean. Maybe we will just dance. I don't think I'm going to be salsa dancing. Okay, okay. We'll have, we'll have to see what the baby turtles want to listen to, babe. <laughs> well, but I think that Olivia should just accept the idea that we all will die one day. Yeah. That seems that seems a bit more mature than having the the Ray Kurzweil view that somehow <laughs> so, we will not be eternal because we're not vampires, okay? Mm-hmm. We are mortals, mm-hmm. and we better make the best out of that life that we have here on Earth. Mm-hmm. That's this wh- is that's why I have blueberries whenever I get the chance. <laughs> Well, so Olivia, please don't be afraid of death. That's right. Just 
live your life to the fullest. And maybe try the meditation in the cemetery. No. She might want to try that. She might be afraid of that. It could She's be a, a good woman. it could be a good first date. You know? Like if if she finds a woo-woo enough guy, he might be he might be into it. Okay, next question, babe. Well, hello again. I wondered what happened to you and as to whether you are still reviewing products. Have you tried Qualia? Hey, Chris. I was kidnapped by a group of uh, contestants for the uh, Miss Japan 2019 competition and they had me locked away in a, in, in a cell for years and years and years. And then finally I made it back out. I escaped them. I learned some Japanese at the time as well as some, some, some other skills. And now I'm back uh, and I discovered my YouTube channel was suspended. So I am back. I'm back in the, the nootropics and the biohacking game. Unfortunately, I have not yet tried Qualia. They wouldn't deliver it to me there in Japan in my, in my prison cell. You know, it was kind of like in the, the Count of Monte Cristo and, and we couldn't get any Qualia in, unfortunately. However, I do have a video about Qualia. It's a pretty good video and you can find it over on my Odyssey slash LBRY channel. I no longer upload to YouTube anymore for reasons that are very complicated. I won't delve into them here, but I do have a good video about Qualia and I will in fact, I will in fact just embed it there in the article for this Q&A podcast and you can get my thoughts on it. And then if you try Qualia, let me know what you think of it. And in fact, John, I think that his name is Christo. Christo. Or Christo, maybe he's Bulgarian. Or Christoph. Right? He could also be Kristoff. He might be, yeah. Any one of those things. Okay. Next question. Okay. Damian Vasilev. He's a Bulgarian. Hey, Damian. Okay. Greetings from Bulgaria. Great podcast. Thank you very much. I laughed so hard when Mark mentioned Bulgaria. Mark Manson? M no, no. Mark. Our Mark. Ah, Sloan. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. I got my hands on something called Methylene Blue... Prehydrate, 99% purity. Do you have an idea if it's any different than methylene blue? Some something else. Thanks again. Yep. Okay. So I looked into methylene blue trihydrate. I'm glad that I looked this one up over on the, I think this is the National Institute of Health website, the, uh, yes, PubChem, like PubMed, and actually methylene blue trihydrate is not something that you would want to consume. It has some warnings that go with it. Um, for acute toxicity, skin corrosion, irritation, eye damage, um, specific target organ Uh, toxicity, single exposure, respiratory tract, irritation, causes damage to organs through prolonged or repeated exposure. So yeah, methylene blue trihydrate looks like it's different than the methylene blue as a medicine that me and Mark Sloan were talking about. So I hope that Damian has not 
taken too much of the, the trihydrate stuff. It's understandable because the two things have almost the same name, but I don't think you want to take that. I also found a study that was done, an animal study that was done on toxicology of methylene blue trihydrate, and they used it on uh, rats and apparently hamsters. Oh, no. Don't torture the hamsters. No. And there was a mutagenicity. Mutagenicity was observed, which is ne dobre. We don't want mutagenicity. So, yeah, stay away from methylene blue trihydrate. With the methylene blue, I know that you can get it. Uh, I think you can practically get it at any pet store, but you do want to get the pharmaceutical grade stuff. You do want to get the stuff that is specifically intended for use as uh, medicine or as a supplement. And actually, I did find a source of this for Europe. And I will link to that source in the article. So yes, please uh, get back to us. Let us know that you haven't that you haven't been uh, gulping down, taking taking uh, shots of uh, methylene blue trihydrate. That you're still amongst amongst the living. <laughs> okay, next question. Yes. Xenodemon. Yep. So Xenodemon asked in regard to your article how to stay loyal to your woman. He asked, which sex exercises hypergamy? Man, really? This is the only question you came up with after reading that exhausting article? So this particular comment I thought I'd respond to because I s variations of this question I got as comments on that, on that article different places that I saved it around the internet. Which sex, which sex exercises hypergamy? Well, uh, clearly women exercise hypergamy a bit more. However, my contention is that women are not hopelessly hypergamous. Um, obviously, you can come across a lot of examples of uh, women who are uh, egregiously, maybe even you could say hideously hypergamous, you can come across a lot of examples of women not being very loyal. But my own personal experience, having a very wide breadth of life experience, and then talking to um, tons and tons of guys about their love lives and dating lives, it seems to me that there's about equal numbers of women that are hypergamous as there are women that are like doggedly loyal, as there are women that like stick with their man no matter what. It seems like these two groups are kind of about proportional to each other. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bemoan the hypergamy thing a ton because I think you're just about as likely to find a woman that can be that can be a loyal woman as well that can be uh, deserving of the kind of loyalty that I'm describing there in that article but obviously if you're going to have if you're going to be loyal to someone 
whether or not it's even a romantic relationship, you want to be selective with your loyalty. Loyalty is, you can't be loyal to everyone. You can be loyal to very few people and very few things in your life. So you want to select very, very carefully. Um, that's why I wrote my book, Don't Stick Your Dick in a Blender, How to Meet a Nice Girl Instead from a Tantric Husband with a Better Sex Life Than You. I wrote this book because I wanted to get real meticulous about what sort of uh, filtering and selection criteria and disqualification disqualification criteria men should have so that they can end up in a relationship with a really great woman that is deserving of the type of loyalty I describe there in that article. So please do read my book if you um, if you're a guy that has like some if, if you've had experiences with a lot with women that aren't really deserving of the highest level of loyalty, read my book so that you can get uh, better about the selections that you make. And then I might also add that I think that, uh, of course, women are more hypergamous, but I think men would be hypergamous if they could. It's just that men aren't quite as desirable as, as women for perfectly natural evolutionary type of reasons. So I would I would probably not even throw a lot of moral, cast a lot of moral judgment upon women for being hypergamous because I think that's what, uh, that's probably what I would be doing were I in their heels. Really, John, what do you mean that, that, that men are not desirable enough? Well, that with, okay, so the idea of hypergamy, are you very familiar with this idea? Yeah. Okay, so with men, with women, uh, women, if, if a woman's uh, younger and relatively attractive, if she's, if she's somewhat attractive, okay, okay, she has a very easy time going from one sexual relationship to another sexual relationship. Not necessarily good sexual relationship, but um, any reasonably attractive woman, any, any, any woman, unless she's just awful looking, she could go out to virtually any bar in her city um, almost any night of the week, and she can end up getting into another relationship that night. Um, whereas a man, if she has no, uh, if she has low standards, yeah, if she has no standards, if she has no standards, then she can't. Whereas a man, um, even a, a man of average attractiveness has no such guarantee. In fact, a man of average attractiveness will probably have to go out to a bar for six nights, six months, six months, uh, for, for for six months, like every single night for him to end up getting into another relationship because there's just a natural asymmetry between the, uh, between the demand that men and women have for each other. So uh, I tend to disagree. Okay. Okay. And I think that this question that Xenodemon is asking comes from a place of cynicism towards women oh yeah for sure yeah he's just being cynical about women yeah 
yeah, it's there's a balance to be struck in between uh, realism and cynicism, and I think that I think there's a lot of reason actually for optimism. So I remain I remain um, realistic yet optimistic, and in my book I detail the statistical evidence for actually being optimistic about women instead of being a a black pilled uh, mig tower mig tower type. Okay, oh, Let, yes. let's move on to the next question. Okay, next question comes from Jay Imri. I just read through your site and I'm certainly going to make some changes from tomorrow by taking on board some of the thoughts, Taoist, Taoist. Taoist strategies. However, I need a quicker fix for my condition of premature ejaculation, which has returned since sending my prescriptions of SSS, SSRI medication due to wanting to cure this with nudes and naturally. As you can probably guess, I've tried multiple combinations over the last few years since coming off the antidepressant medication, but I can't seem to get the right formula. Any advice slash guidance for a stack would be fabulous. Okay, so he said he wants a quicker fix and I'm sorry, Jay, there, there may not be a quick fix to this. If you're, yeah, if you're trying to not be dependent upon uh, uh, pharmaceuticals for your, the way your mind and your body works, then you're going to be on a, you're going to be on a, on, on a more arduous, longer, more circuitous path towards mastery of what it is you want in life. So I would just suggest that you keep up with the Taoist stuff that I write about. I have a couple chapters about it in my book, and then I've got a couple of articles on my website. So most notably doing the kegels, doing the kegel thing, you know, make it a point to spend a couple of minutes every day doing kegels. When you see something load on your cell phone, when you've got some, when you're waiting on something to load, you know how we spend our lives waiting uh, precious seconds <laughs> for things to load on our devices and in our web browsing. Do a Kegel every time. When you're stuck at a red light, do Kegels. When you're meditating, do Kegels. And this will build up that PC muscle so that you're not a pre so that you're not such a premature ejaculator. And then I saw another study. This was a 2008 study. This one's kind of interesting. And it was of 2,400 men. So that's a large uh, cohort that they've got. And they found that low testosterone correlated to a lack of control over the ejaculatory reflex. So you probably want to get your T levels tested and then do all of the things to push your testosterone levels up. And I think that you'll find that that in combination with kind of the, the holistic stuff does over time, probably not going to be a quick fix, but it does over time um, make you into a man that's perhaps multi-orgasmic that can last as long as you want to. And also, John, 
this condition can be cured also by quitting porn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, taking some time, and sometimes it takes time. Like, I think sometimes you need to be off of porn for like six months, a year, two years for your body to kind of reset. And so I do suggest that men do a meditative masturbation is that if you don't have a partner what you do is you do a meditation do this once once or twice a week you don't have to do it every day it it just sounds sticky to me to do it every day but once or twice a week you uh do a meditation session with the deep breathing like normal and then you uh give yourself a little stroke while you're meditating but do your best to not bring yourself all the way over the top and you just focus on your body and it's it's actually really it's actually really pleasant and it's it's mindfulness also it's a it's it's spiritual masturbation gents try it you uh you won't regret it it may actually really help you yeah, with the and don't watch porn yes meanwhile yes 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 stay away from the porn that'll 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 help if you if you need additional help getting over the porn contact me via the uh, forum on my website and i have a accountability program that will uh that'll get you uh, extra motivated on that front okay next question comes from daniel Halstash. hi i'm writing to ask if you ever tried meldonium mildronate i it seems like there is a lot of good this can do any feedback or thoughts on meldonium mildronate i would like to try using this before my works before my workouts to increase the pump yeah so mildronate actually has some it, it's actually a pretty well renowned drug as a physical performance enhancer and it was uh, banned from the Olympics. In fact, it was uh, so effective. Myra Sharapova, Ekaterina... Maria Sharapova, she's a tennis player. Yep, and Ekaterina Bobrova. Ekaterina Bobrova, she's a skater. And Alexei Lovchev. Alexei Lovchev. And Abeba Agawababe. <laughs> She's uh, African, so we'll, uh, that, that's the correct, correct. Maria correct. Sharapova John was actually engaged to our best tennis player, Grigor Dimitrov. Oh, that's right. Maybe they did Mildrenate together. <laughs> oh, no. You know, maybe that's what they would do before a, a sexy time. And well, who knows? So. I have actually got several boxes of Mildrenate on hand, and I think I've tried it a couple times. I didn't have a real remarkable experience with it myself, but I would say that, yeah, based upon the reputation that it has, it uh, I would encourage you to use it as a gym hack. My favorite gym hacks, I, I've tried a number of workout performance enhancing supplements at this point and my favorites are yohimbine yohimbine is actually pretty close to my number one for uh, gym hacks i love all the extra energy that it gives me 
And then I like the HMB stuff. The HMB stuff, I've noticed an uptick in my gym performance. And then also creatine. I noticed an uptick from creatine. So those ones are my personal favorites. But if you've got some Mildred on hand, then yeah, go ahead and try that. Use it for a month or however much product you have on hand and then switch to other workout performance enhancers. The three I mentioned, I will link there on my website so that you can try those and you can do a little bit of comparison and then you can ultimately kind of figure out in the basis of that experimentation and comparison, you can figure out which one of those is best for you going forward. So those are the biohacking questions that we have got for January. January. For December. For December. Well, I'm in the future already, babe. It was that Hummer thing that I attached to my forehead that that left that lovely mark on on my forehead. It's Yes, yes, we know, John. It's transported me into the future Mm -hmm. already. So I'll be doing a, uh, a reporting back on the stock price movements. exclusively in the Limitless Mindset Secret Society. That's the sort of thing you guys can look forward to in there. I'm Jonathan, and I look forward to a continued conversation with you.